guys, 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 we could totally eat that giant prawn. We should totally eat the giant prawn. Oh my god, that's a great idea. Let's eat the giant prawn. Hello everyone, and welcome to episode 61 of RPG Fans Rhythm Encounter, our music podcast. I have a great panel with me here today. Um, I'm Hilary Andruff, and I'd love to introduce them because uh, we're going to be talking about Yoko Shimomura's. So with me, I have Patrick Gann. Hi, I love music, and I love Yoko Shimomura. Uh, anyone who's been following our music knows him very well. And we also have Peter Triesenberg. Hi, I also love music and love Yoko Shimomura. Yes, and you're no stranger to being here on Rhythm, so thanks for joining. Mm -hmm. And then we also have Greg Delmich. Hi, everybody. He is a talented host, and I'm guessing he's going to be helping me out today. <laughs> Only if you ask for it, <laughs> but I'm just excited to talk Yoko. <laughs> All right, so today we've come together. Yoko Shimomura is an amazingly prolific and talented composer of video game Woo! music so after our primer episode for female video game composers uh, she is the first composer spotlight that we're doing here for rhythm um so we picked a selection of work of hers that kind of shows off a range of things she's done the format of the show just so i can quickly explain how that works is we're going to be giving you the music in blocks of two songs We'll introduce it and listen to it and then come back and talk about it. Does that sound good to everyone? I like that format. I mean, it is Yoko Shimomura. We could probably pack in more if we just didn't say anything and just put on a bunch of music. And I think everyone would be really happy. Yes. Is that fair use, though? <laughs> <laughs> probably not. And not how podcasts work, I guess. Well, this isn't going on YouTube, so. Yeah. Fair. Fair. fair enough. All right. Well, enjoy uh, the next oh, hour of power with Yoko Shibu. Yes. We'll cram as much of her music in there as we can. Um, but seriously, I'd just like to go around and hear from everyone, you know, why do you like her so much? Let's have some appreciation. Why are you here? What's great about your Koshima I think I can do it in two minutes or less. Awesome. Okay. I dare you. <laughs> the first time I put together who she was and what her history of work was, was when I played Legend of Mana in the summer of 2000, Square's Summer of Adventure. And then I started digging into the past and discovered all the work she did. I discovered she used to work for Capcom. Many people don't know this, but she wrote almost every song in Street Fighter 2, including Guile's theme, which goes with everything. So yeah, she has an incredible body of work. My little brother for his wedding, he wanted the song Dearly Beloved played from Kingdom Hearts. Uh, myself on piano and a friend on violin made it happen. Uh, that was uh, another time that I really enjoyed like taking something of Yoko Shimomura's and doing something powerful with it. And then in 2012 or 2013, I had the chance to meet Yoko Shimomura and interview her uh, in Boston. That interview is on RPG Fan, but my contributions of it aren't there because I, I wrote, a or I wrote the interview for original sound version. It was Damian Thomas 
and Dennis Rubenstein, who did the RPG fan component to that group interview. But uh, I remember that she was wearing a fake fur coat, and she was smiling and laughed a lot and found our fanboyishness charming, <laughs> which I appreciated because I was embarrassed as heck. Oh, that is very I can imagine. Awesome. Well, and we recently found this out. I remember that coat because I was also at that concert. Yes, you were at that concert. Yeah. Long before I knew you, we before we met virtually. Oh. So why do we let Pat go first? Because how are we, any of us supposed to follow that? <laughs> All right. I don't have a big epic story. I just, I, I'm a huge Kingdom Hearts fan, as many um, longtime listener will know. Um, so I've been pretty in love with Shimomura's music just because of that series alone. But um, she's just such a talented composer. She has a very unique signature sound. Um, you know, lots of piano, lots of violin. Um, and it's just, but but in, but more than that, like there's just so many. She's been she's been able to, to branch out to so many different kinds of music, and I think I I feel like just about every soundtrack she's done is gold. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, I think the first time I probably heard her work would have been Super Mario RPG: Legend of the Seven Stars, but I didn't know who or what at that point. I think the only composer's name I really knew about in games is Uematsu, and uh, there's a whole different story that we'll get into on. When we talk about him, I'm sure at some point in all of this, but I, uh, uh, yeah, I, I fell in love with the music of Legend of Mana, but again, it wasn't until many years later that I finally discovered like who this person was and what her work was. And, uh, I didn't remember what game it was that drew her attention to me. Just at some point, someone was just like, Yokoshima Mura is great. And I'm like, oh, oh, she's done pretty much almost every soundtrack that I like. So great. But yeah, she's just an impressively prolific and talented performer, uh, musician composer and just seems like a delightful human i'm jealous you got to meet her me too <laughs> um and i think that's a, a really easy to relate to story greg mine mine is pretty similar she was writing music for games that i really liked when i heard it in the game i didn't realize she was behind it at first and then i put two and two together and decided that any one person that can write the music for street fighter 2 and legend of mana is pretty amazing right it's uh i, I don't even know like it wasn't she uh, also like did she start on like uh, just looking at when I was looking at VGM? I think she was credited differently. Like did she start on Sweet Home? I don't know, Patrick. You might yeah. Be able to Sweet that. Sweet Home is her first credited work for a published soundtrack, and I've loved. I've been meaning to write a review for that soundtrack for a very long time. Really interesting Shinji Mikami RPG that like Resident Evil is basically inspired by. Right, but the fact to go from starting there. Yeah, it's from the Famicom era, and she also worked on a bit on Breath of the first Breath of Fire, and and we didn't yes. actually know that for over a decade because she she worked under a, a different handle, something Yoshi That's like Key or something. Or, yeah, 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 yeah that, she had a pseudonym. Weird, and that's such an interesting story because she she if my research is correct, she'd been kind of wanting to transition more into the classical sounding kind of rpg music rather than what she had been doing and okay Capcom used her and that's what i was getting to yeah a little bit on breath of fire so it, it's kind of interesting to imagine like what breath of fire might have been like if she'd done all the music i can't even remember the soundtrack so i mean that's probably telling but i haven't really played it super extensively either 
Yeah, I well, I mean, that series, there's basically a different composer on each game, so <laughs> there's not really a unified sound to that series as far mm. as I'm concerned. But Hitoshi Sakimoto's work on the fifth game is memorable, so. I have heard. I've only played the third in a great length, so. It is magnificent. Five is underrated. Yeah. I plan to get to it at some point. It'll just be hard to come by. <laughs> we should probably talk about... We could actually probably get to the first block, right? Yeah, I'm ready if you all are. We are starting with some of her early work. We have a track from Pat that I will let him introduce, and one from Greg that I'll let him introduce. So, Pat, go ahead, and then Greg. Yeah, uh, Greg and I are, have picked two songs. Well, actually, no, Greg's has made it to America um, on Nintendo DS, I think. But I picked a song from uh, technically pronounced Live Alive, but I'm used to calling it Live Alive. A fantastic Super Famicom RPG from Square that has yet to be officially localized and published. I'm praying, I've been praying every day for decades for some sort of remake or port that they decide to bring to America. Um, the track is uh, the like main boss theme. It's called Megalomania. And... Uh, if that name sounds similar to something you know from a certain popular indie RPG, there's a reason for that, and we'll get to that afterwards. Thank you. <laughs> uh, for myself, I definitely had a variety of choices, which we'll get into. Uh, but ultimately, I wanted to get something on 15 here because I thought Peter was broken since Peter didn't pick 15. And I was like, well, I'll do it for Peter then. And it's hard. There's a lot of great songs. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I went with a really great jazz arrangement of Apocalypsis Noctis, which is already a fantastic piece. And then just throwing some jazz in there, uh, also for Hillary's benefit, knowing her to be a fan of the jazz. Oh, that's, I, uh, that's true. I reviewed one of the other albums in this same series. <laughs> so I just wanted to get some of that in there. So, uh, yeah, hope you enjoy that, everybody, and we'll talk more about it. Thanks. All right, we will be right back to discuss those.
All right. So, I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff there with megalomania. Do you want to talk about why you picked it first, Pat? Yeah, I mean, so that was Yoko Shimomura's first work with Square when she left Capcom and joined Square um, officially. I think she left Square Enix to become freelance when everyone left and went freelance sometime in the mid-2000s. But back in the days where a lot of composers would sort of stay contracted with one developer, you know, she did about six or seven games with Square before branching out. And Live Alive was the first one. And... Um, it's such a good game. Almost every song on there is just golden. Uh, Megalomania is, you guys heard it, it's just so catchy. It's It's got a great hook, and it just doesn't It does up. have a great hook. Yeah. Um, in fact, for anyone who's played, like, Theatrhythm Final Fantasy, and, like, there's all that DLC available, this song and only this song from Live Alive I think it's the only song from Live Live that you could get through the DLC. And I think you're right, because I remember looking through all of it and getting really excited. And, <laughs> and people people would look at it and go, a lot of Americans would look at that and go, wait, what game is that? Because, yes, it still has to be localized. So I'm very excited to I'm share pretty sure I did that. <laughs> from an import only. But, yeah, there are a couple reasons I picked it. But one of one of them is that it really does represent that, that early sort of catchy, groovy thing that, that Shimomura is great at and was part of why the Street Fighter 2 soundtrack was so successful and remembered to this day. I think as far as that soundtrack goes, that soundtrack is very diverse. Um, it spans a timeline of characters, but then that standard boss theme representing this villain who's sort of time and space transcending sort of brings everything back together. And it's just... Gosh, every time I hear it, it freaks me out. And real quick, I did hint at uh, a, a song with a similar name. Megalovania is a play on the term Metroidvania, and it's also a reference to Megalomania. In both Shimomura's track, uh, Megalomania, and in Toby Fox's Megalovania, the song is always spelled in all caps, whereas other songs on those respective soundtracks are not. And Toby Fox has said outright that uh, the song Megalomania is something he had in mind when he wrote Megalovania. So, I mean, it had an impact not just on me and a, you know, a handful of other, you know, listeners of Shimomura's early work, but it had an impact on, you know, one of the greatest, you know, out of left field developers we've ever seen, who is Toby Fox. Yeah, and I think that's one of the truly outstanding things about Yoko Shimomura is her ability to, you know, bring the community together and inspire so and you got to represent her, her catchy street fighter two days so i'm happy you brought that on it this song just like i didn't have a lot to say about it because it just kind of it's simpler from a, a simpler time i suppose uh i suppose but it, it just it moves you like it's just got that great driving rhythm and definitely yeah it feels like you're in for a fight that there's a lot at stake here so saying that it's a big major boss fight is not a surprise to me and uh I guess the big thing I really kind of loved was, that made me kind of look up was that moment where around like one-ish where you get that kind of like running organ that comes in just to add that much more drama. Yeah, it was, the, it was pretty neat. Yeah, the sort of like B part Baroque um, yeah. organ 16th note runs. Yeah, that's a really solid part. Like the song doesn't stagnate, it builds. And that's just such a great part. 
And that's something that she's done in some other Fightin' Boss music. Like, we, we listened to some Paris AD music, in fact, recently, mm -hmm. that also kind of, if I'm not mistaken, interjected some organ to help the song move and transition because it was a boss fight with a lot of phases. So that's kind of like she reflected that in the music. Yep. Yeah, it's got this really upbeat, upbeatness to it that I appreciate. Like, um, we're just like, yeah, it's a battle theme, but at the same time, it's kind of a bop at the same time, which is, those are my favorite boss themes. Where you can kind of like nod your head along while you're playing it. And I think that's like, that's something that Toby Fox really like effectively captured with Megalovania. Like, I think he, mm -hmm. he got that tone completely right. Yeah. Well, and that's what I was uh, saying in the pre-show is just that with a bit of different instrumentation, more modern instrumentation, even though it is electronic, like this could very easily be slotted into Undertale or uh, Deltarune pretty easily. Yep, I agree. Can I add one more thing about that? I, yeah, I don't have the link here, but it'd probably be pretty easy for anyone to find. If you just type Megalomania and then piano into YouTube, about a year ago, or sometime around when COVID started, a Japanese YouTuber did a piano solo arrangement of Megalomania that is just divine, and it just screams out... Um, there should be like a Yoko Shimomura piano collection album. <laughs> I really am really shocked that that does not exist because she is very clearly a pianist. Yes. Her, her, her compositions reflect that. So why, why not? There are two excellent Kingdom Hearts ones, like specifically the Kingdom Hearts. Right. Movie. Yeah. There's yeah the original album and then Field and Battle, which I think is the superior yeah. of the two. And there's albums. one for 15. Which yes. I almost yes. 15 from. has the Moonlit Men Melodies. Yeah. Album. I have the sheet music for that too, and I can't play Ooh. anything from it because I'm not good enough. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't even know where to start. <laughs> but yes, please give us a compilation from her various games, you cowards. Yeah, well, I mean, they gave us those, I mean, Dramatica and Memoria are great albums, but a piano solo album, you know, arranged by someone she trusts, someone like Sachiko Miyano, who I'm sure we'll be talking about later would just be excellent yes oh for sure all right are we ready to talk about some jazz then uh always <laughs> great all right three two one let's jam wrong yoko <laughs> oh <yeah. laughs> that's true oops <laughs> yeah there's red bull in this mode <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he was searching around, yeah, again, looking for songs and seeing some of uh, my bigger hits were taken. And then I was remembering, well, you know what? Again, got to fill in for 15 and it's just got some spectacular music. I was, again, very excited to hear she was helming that back when the whole project came up. Super cool that she got to go to Abbey Road. And uh, that was a really whole cute publicity stunt thing, too. She was crossing the Abbey Road. It was all fun stuff. Uh, I wanted uh, the jazz ultimately because I was looking at, like I said, the piano album and I uh, figured let's mix it up a bit since this is a, actually a fairly dramatic playlist we have. <laughs> so I thought that uh, the jazz would change it up. And even then, like it's still a fairly heavy song in its way, but it's much smoother now with this uh, kind of like 60s swinging jazz bar cafe vibe. Like, I just picture every musician here has, like, triangle goatees, berets, and turtlenecks yes. the whole time while they're playing in, like, this moody cafe. But they're all cosplaying, they're all cosplaying Noctis and Friends. <laughs> yes, and, but 
And along with that, can we take a moment to appreciate just that extremely juicy base at the beginning? Because I love yeah, oh yeah. that so much. It's so menacing. The electric bass, how it kicks it off. And then you get a bit more drama as the piano joins. And then the brass comes in. And the whole, like, that whole bridge that they're setting up is just so chaotic. But you can still hear it as it gets. Because at first you're just, I heard it and I was like, what the heck is this? And then once you get to the melody, then it fits into place. Once you come back to this bridge, it was just great. Like... The, the ranger IG Nakagawa definitely a trombonist first and gives himself a lot of room to play with that brass here and there but uh, he gave everybody like a time to shine throughout the piece and it's just great and it has that piano that running piano throughout as well about like a minute and a half in that comes behind the melody and definitely raises the stakes and the tension so like I I weirdly found that this still could almost fit back into the game um, maybe like a less epic battle I don't know it was weird um, it's funny because um, so the uh, intro to the song, I would almost have trouble comparing it to Apocalypsis Noctis just because um, the in-game version of this song opens with such... It just hits you in the face with mm-hmm. this loud, percussive yeah. instrumentation and the chorus. And which fight is it again? Um, this plays when you fight Titan and then a version of it plays yeah. when you fight uh, Leviathan. Okay, that's where I'm remembering it from. I remember flying through the air, but I forget yeah, the yeah, Titan yeah. fight. Hearing it in the Leviathan fight is... Oh, that's messing with my heart just thinking about it. And then they have a they have a remix for... um it, In the Ignis DLC, there's a remix when you fight Noctis, <sighs> um, which is a rough fight. Oh my god. <laughs> the Ignis DLC, the version of that song, first of all, is incredible. And then, yeah, that fight, if anyone's attempted the Ignis DLC where Ignis fights Noctis at the gas station, that mm-hmm. is, like, the hardest thing you can do in all FF15, as far as I'm concerned. Noctis freaking destroys the gas station. It's awesome. Yeah, it's a it's an excellent DLC um, thing. Ignis. Ignis, that was Mitsuda arranging that one, right? Yes. Yes, it was. Yes, it oh. was. There it is. I guess we can start ding with you re-asking that question. <laughs> yeah, we could. <laughs> or I could say, yeah, ding dong, yes, correct. Correct answer. It was Mitsuda. Ding, ding dong. <laughs> you win. It was Mitsuda. Five points for you. <laughs> there we go. Uh, all right. I'm going to rein us back in and okay. just say, yeah, I mean, the last overarching kind of comment I'd like to make about this second pick is just, it really does show how... Shimamura's compositions transcend genre and format. It's just, it's really neat because you could have had the crashing percussion. You know, there are jazz drums, but it still works. It's still mm-hmm. works. And the drummer's great, especially at the end. Yeah, it was good. And uh, one thing I do want to say before we do move on, because I cannot ignore or not, like, you know, give a nod to that fantastic uh, jazz flute solo as well, which again, yes, mm-hmm. beautiful, nuanced, and very, very much in that 60s jazz vibe. <laughs> Yeah, the 60s cafe jazz for sure. Yeah, the performers on the Square Enix Jazz and Square Enix Acoustic series have been consistently impressive. Fantastic, yeah. And it <laughs> really makes like if you're gonna make a song six minutes long, uh you better not bore me or repeat the same, you know, sixteen bars over and over. Right, and you better and, be good with your improv. Oh yeah. And the, so they everyone, both the arranger and the performers, really did something new and fun with uh, what was a really just like scary powerful song from Shimomura. Yeah, ex- 
that's a great way of putting it you know scary powerful song but they made something new that still works and is really great to listen to <laughs> he's got noctis coming out of like the titan fight and then just some like high hip cat there just like be cool man <laughs> and just does this instead oh noctis absolutely smokes weed <laughs> head cannon all right guys we like, just let's he just, tries to, he, let's and just, he tries to get gladio in on it and gladio's like no nah, man all right guys we just got to take a break from this you know important journey we're on i just need to get high right now and ignis is like sighs and shakes his head and goes back to making dinner i've got a new recipe because you've got the munchies <laughs> gladio disapproves and just kind of judges him the whole time prompto's trying to get it prompto's trying to get a contact high because not just won't share they're all just stoned and then he's just looking at a vending machine i've got a new recipe and just hands them all bags of cheetos and hopes they won't notice and gladio you know it'd be great with these cheetos cup noodles (laughs) yes this is the best best product placement ever the powdered orange cheese complements the noodles beautifully we finally figured out why the cup noodles product placement works because they're secretly stoners. <laughs> guys, okay. guys, guys, we could totally eat that giant prawn. We should totally <laughs> eat the giant prawn. Oh my god, that's a great idea. Let's eat the giant prawn. <laughs> I'm crying. All right. So let's see. We are going to be transitioning now into the ps1 era it looks like with our next two shima Moria tracks yeah oh and the glorious have... era for music yeah and so we've got one from pat and one from peter so i'll let you two go ahead and introduce them all right so i didn't go look it up i think square enix has official english track lists since they put everything on itunes but disc one track 11 of the legend of mana ost is called cave painting or earth painting or landscape scenery it's like one of the first dungeon themes in the game and is used for a number of dungeons uh throughout the game and is basically one of the prettiest songs you'll ever hear in your whole life it has these really good pizzicato strings and then mm-hmm. when you start hearing these like smooth legato notes coming out like it's like a, it grows like i imagine something coming to life when i hear this song and like this song might be like at first when i started playing legend of mana i was a little like i don't know this song is what kept me going through to the end as soon as i heard this i was like oh no i'm sticking around (laughs) nice i i've had some i had some similar thoughts and experiences which i'll share too that's great and then my pick for this track is arise within you which is from the parasite eve soundtrack oh yeah that's like the standard battle theme right correct yeah, it's yeah, it's one of the first battle themes in the game, yeah. and it it really it so kicks good. things yeah. off. So, so good. It really, it really is. Okay, let's have a listen, and we'll be back soon.
All right, so let's talk about disc one, track 11, landscapes. Yes, please. What's the official one? Did someone say Colored Earth? I think so. Yeah, if that's, I think if that's what's on iTunes, that's what Square Enix has officially titled it in English. So yeah, y'all just heard it. And one of the things that makes it so memorable, it's like the concept of the earworm. Like you can hear that song just once and then you can like, you know, sit down on your couch or get in the car and drive. And to yourself, you're just like, and then like when you get further in, you know, you're like the, and you're just like, like it totally takes you over. Like that is such a well-written piece of music. It was, I guess it was later in the 32-bit era, but like, I couldn't believe that was like sequence synthesized music. When I first heard that, I was like, like, is that recorded? Like, is that live? And of course it isn't, but like, it's so good. You it think is. it is. It's insane. Yeah. And then of course there there is, of course, recorded orchestral versions of it. I think it's on Dramatica. Yes, that sounds right. But we gave you the OST version to prove that the original version is just that freaking good. <laughs> yeah. Like, I absolutely adore all the music from Legend of Mana. There's very few tracks that are ho-hums for me like i just i own there's one of the few albums i like have had imported from japan because i just i adore it as soon as i started playing the game back in the days finding illicit means to find the music Mm -hmm. because i just needed more of it in my veins yeah this one is just there's no wrong track to pick and but this one just like really just slaps you in the face in the first dungeon just being like this is what you're here for like you said it drew you right in and you were hooked from that on in and this i think does a great job of bringing the intensity and playing that dual role of like exploration but also the action is and danger is ever present Mm -hmm. and like just with those like the pizzicato strings that you said i'm giving the word to that because i was like "Uh, uh, thank you pat for your technical terms Uh, it like really heightens the environmental interactivity i find like i just I feel like the characters are trying to go through like driving winds on this exposed road that you're wandering along fighting against Chobin bandits and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it it really it's, it sounds like a dynamic environment that you're going through. Yeah. It really does. Like and I really appreciate um like when the when the music kind of swells like after for a bit where it's just it's just kind of starts going like like it's just it's just mm-hmm. such a, it's just such a heroic sound. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And especially with the first character that brings you there, it's very much not heroic. <laughs> it's 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 great. Like and like you said, like the only thing that really gives away that it is electronic instrumentation, I find, is like just how hollow the brass sounds and I just this not even this track alone, like the whole game, I just really hope that they do a remaster of it, because nothing really needs to be touched on it, just make it H D and it'll just be incredible. But if they reorchestrate the entire soundtrack, like I don't know. I, it's all I will listen to. <laughs> yeah, I just remember when I first got the game being in a state of disbelief about the music. It really makes you pause and go, oh my gosh, look at how far video game music has come. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you think, like, FF7 and 8 came out before this, and there were some incredible things that happened on those soundtracks, but... Oh, yeah. The Legend of Mana soundtrack, like, in terms of the sophistication of the synths, like... Mm-hmm. It even beats eight, in my opinion, and eight had some surprisingly lifelike moments. I'd have to agree with you there. I, I <laughs> another memory, but I remember sitting there listening to it, going like, "Wow, this kind of sounds like I'm in orchestra class." Like one thing I find surprising about this piece, uh, which is also really nice, is how percussion focused it is. 
like all yes. the synth brass and woodwinds and everything are really there and definitely carry the flow of the song along but i find the drums are actually like the standout thing like you can't there's so often that drums are just there to kind of keep holding the rhythm but this time like i feel she really gave them a focus in this piece it also has a fair bit of that like folk level auxiliary percussion going on in the background that you can almost imagine someone dancing like dancing and holding yeah a, you know a tambourine or castanets mm-hmm. or things like that though i don't think castanets are in the song but there are <laughs> um there's enough going on beyond just the snares that it's just like you can yeah. you can follow just that's the exactly percussion it. and enjoy it right and i think that's part of what makes the song so dynamic and kind of gives it that tone of perseverance yeah, it just needs more cowbell. <laughs> I did not say that. Too late, it's on record. <laughs> but seriously, Peter, if you like the sound of this, play this game if you can find it in one way or another. It's worth it. It's on the PlayStation now. Yeah, it is on. Yeah. Oh, is it great? Yeah, it's like do s- it. six bucks or ten bucks or something. Yeah, you should get Pull it. Pull that trigger. And... <laughs> I may very well wind up pulling that devil trigger at some point. <laughs> and, and that goes as well for, for listeners. If you missed out on that one, I mean, not only do you get a lot of really amazing Yokoshima Mura music, but you you get a pretty solid game, too. It's And visually, it's just a... Yes. It's so whimsical. Yeah, the artwork, the artwork is as memorable as Saga Frontier 2. And in that, some of those backgrounds are hand colored or hand watercolored like because they were just mapping you know they were mapping where you can move and where you can't move onto these still backgrounds they could make those backgrounds whatever they wanted and so they did some really interesting 2d stuff yeah just every character every locale and i mean the music really reflects that i can't i can't say that enough yeah there's such a level of polish to the whole thing one thing you said in the break uh pat was how the music makes the world seem alive. And that's really funny because it's kind of what you're doing and the game is bringing the world to life. So it's just funny how that is definitely echoed in the piece. Right, how you get those artifacts and you and you drop them in a square of your choice and now here's a town or a dungeon. And um, yeah, you're bringing the world back to life with the power of the mana tree. Yes, and, and just be very, very careful about where you put the various places. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> Um, one in- last interesting thing to note that I found out about this as I was researching is this game, Legend of Mana, has been cited as one of the the projects that Yokoshimura often claims is her favorite or closest to her or reflects her the most yep. truly, which I think is adorable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when I interviewed her, I remember her saying that it was easily like one of her favorite or if if not her favorite not just to work on but the game itself to to play and to witness and that's another really cool thing to mention about her is she she does play and she came into the industry i mean we've kind of covered a little bit about how just how long she's been in the industry but she came into the industry in a time where it it wasn't very well respected that's correct i mean that's part of why um a lot of those early games you would go and do it with a pseudonym it was off often because you would hope to become a film or television composer and you at the time they didn't want their full name associated with this little niche thing of video games because somehow that might diminish their name that still exists for like the dojin circles um, a lot of composers will use pseudonyms for like fan arranges at like 
like Kamaket do for the Dojin or Fan Arrange albums. Mm -hmm. And then when they become like legitimate composers, then they'll use their real name. Like that's still a thing in Japan. So why she had a pseudonym back in the late 80s, I mean, that's probably why. But it's very well respected now, so. And I think you know, she's been a part of that, so. All the more yeah, she's part of what made it well respected, absolutely. Yeah, so all the more reason to celebrate her. All right, so moving right along, let's talk about another PlayStation era work of hers that's quite a bit different, but in a very short time span. These two are pretty much contemporaries. Yeah, about a year or two apart. Yeah, Parasite Eve came out, what, I think 97, 98? In Japan, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then Legend of Mana was 99. It was right around that kind of like golden period for Square, like the post-FF7 boom. And honestly, I think it's it's where they have some of their most interesting work. Agreed. Um, Parasite Eve is just such a unique game. Like, it's this really neat blend of survival horror and RPG elements and kind of tries to ape the structure of a Hollywood film, so it's kind of shorter and self-contained, but still got a lot to unpack, which is just kind of delightful. Um, it almost feel, it almost feels like Square Enix making an indie game, which is a, a weird thing to say for a big corporation, but it really does have that, like, this is very much out of their their usual uh, oeuvre. But um, what, what I like about the soundtrack in general, and Arise Within You in particular, is how ethereal it is. It really, it, it does a good job of blending, taking that horror atmosphere, but also sounding more like a conventional RPG, like the way the melody kind of plays along and the, and the battle theme is like, this is still like a noticeably more upbeat song than you maybe get out of a horror title, but it, it still has kind of a creepy, foreboding atmosphere to it, especially in the early portions of the game. When you mm -hmm. have, like, mutant animals all around you. And, and you the, don't know what's going on. You don't know what's going on. You're just kind of running through lockers and finding dead bodies. And it is legitimately creepy. Yeah, I think it's it's a surprisingly upbeat song for, you know, for a standard battle theme for a game like that. You know, music like this just simply wouldn't exist in any moment in... The, res the first two Resident Evil games, uh, nor should it really. I think somewhere between Shimamura and the developers, they realized that you needed that forward momentum for um, this game with this semi-turn-based combat system. You needed to keep the action going. And so she wrote this sort of jazz piano you know, riff to get the song started and then from there it just works and i've always liked that about this song in particular if you listen to the whole soundtrack this is probably one of the uh lighter songs in terms of more major chords than minor chords yeah but it, and it is amazing how much it works in context it's one of the things i would add it I remember when I was playing through it, because it was lighter, it was sort of like, okay, it's another battle, I can do this, I'll get through it, I'll keep going. And I think part of that is is the nice beat that's going in the background. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it really nicely reflects like Aya's position throughout the story. I don't want to give away too much in case listeners want to go back and play it, but she's in a unique... I want to try it out someday. <laughs> she's in a unique position to fight these battles. 
and she's yes. power and she's powerful in her own way. So it, I think it kind of reflects that in a cool way. Yeah, it's like she doesn't have to be as afraid as perhaps we in the audience would be. Exactly. Yeah. Right, because she's capable. It's like I was. I don't know. I just found the whole song is so very dichotomous. Like because it is very ambient and unintrusive, even though it has like this driving rhythm. It's simultaneously chill because like the synth, but then you have the energy from like the running electric guitar. Mm-hmm. and that's again like the or whatever that instrument is and like the rhythm that it just yeah it just kind of like clashes with itself um i guess just because i'm playing cyberpunk lately too it's just that it feels like two sides of a city at night where the one side is like really chill and relaxing and quiet and calm but on the other hand there's a bit of danger because you don't know what's down that alleyway it's weird yeah and and it's very interesting that you say that because when i was looking through things some of the inspiration that yokoshima took for this soundtrack i heard was from the nightlife in la so an american city like new york which is the setting of the game and you can kind of hear that in this piece a little bit i think with kind of that there's almost like a little bit of a club swing to the rhythm at one point and and you have what almost sounds like some kind of ambient noise at one point too so you can kind of hear that sort of like grungy club influence too the whole soundtrack is just very unique yeah i haven't really listened to it and i'm glad we i got this little sampler of it like it's one of those like with this and live alive live alive i'm just glad to be also opened up to new shimmer music here it's great yeah all right so now are we ready to branch out a little bit and get two other diverse Shimamura songs? Branch out with the uh, mana tree? Yes, exactly. Branch out like we're going to branch out like the mana tree because our next block has um, a very early work and a very recent work. So one of them is mine. So I'll go ahead and introduce that. So my pick is Sad Song from Super, Super Mario RPG, which is. <laughs> so exciting. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's such a nice little waltz and it's so perfect for the moment in the game gets right to the point (laughs) yep (laughs) and then we have peter's other pick yep my other pick uh is knocked flugel from kingdom hearts 3's remind dlc so not even the base game the dlc wow yep they added it in the dlc it is we have moved on from random italian phrases in our soundtracks and we are now in the realm of random german phrases we have escalated to german in our kingdom hearts
right, so, sad song. I picked this primarily because I wanted Super Mario RPG on here. It's dear to me. I played it when I was young. The soundtrack's amazing. This is a little bit of an unexpected piece, maybe, because there's lots of good pieces to choose from, but I also picked it because it's an elegant little waltz. And I just, I adore it. I think it's great for as short as it is. It's so melodramatic. Yeah. I love it. The out-of-tune piano is just chef's kiss. Just, ugh. Exactly. It's just completely dramatic. And I was listening to it with some friends, and possibly one of the best comments I heard about it was, it sounds like it should be in a silent film. Like someone should have yes. their hand. Yeah. To, someone should have their hand to their forehead, and there should be a text box that says "Woe is me." Which that's actually that's actually very appropriate because like the Mario RPGs especially really pride themselves on physical humor. Yeah, mm -hmm. and a lot of that is conveyed through how the sprites react and the music. And so for yeah, for Super Mario RPG, that is a very apt description. I wouldn't be shocked if that was her inspiration. Now that you mention that. Mm -hmm. It very well could be. And one of the other things I really like about it is how I think the thing that actually makes it sad rather than just simply dramatic is just how it never quite resolves. There are multiple points in the short loop where it sounds like you're expecting the notes to resolve to get some sort of breath, some sense of a musical phrase ending, but instead she just keeps the notes running. And it's a really cool effect. And good for a I video game where you don't know how long it's going to take someone to read something yeah there's this sense of it's a musical metaphor for constant weeping like someone <laughs> who's, who's inconsolable you know yep but it could also just end at any moment right you press the a button i want to stop crying <laughs> right and when it ends that's when you change songs yeah <laughs> yeah i wrote in my notes it's the equivalent of world's smallest violin <laughs> yep oh so cute Oh, now I'm just picturing Mallow's, like, super dramatic crying sprite. And all the rain comes down? Yes! Now I'm just imagining Mallow voiced by Clancy Brown. <laughs> <laughs> he really uh... is the world's tiniest violin. <laughs> there was... Yeah, there's so many tracks you could have picked. And I just, yeah, I just love that you went with this one. Just... Because there's not a lot of, like, really tragic moments in that game, but... I mean, again, despite the melodrama and kind of how over the top Mallow is, Mallow's whole story is pretty sad. And it's, uh, and like, she gives it with this piece, like, simultaneously, you know, an appropriate amount of sadness that is a bit genuine, but also a little bit of a eye roll. Here goes Mallow again. There's a cheat. There's some cheese. And, you know, the Mario yeah. series is no stranger to that. And I think of course she not. nailed it. And,. Also, again, I just want to call back to just even though it is a short, dramatic little song, it still showcases her talent as a composer because it's great that she can write this cheesy, elegant, but also still sad little waltz and some of the other things we're going to hear. Just a lot of range. Mm -hmm. If I can just comment real quick on the, the soundtrack as a whole, you know, what's really impressive about it, you know, at the at the time, you know, Mario games and Mario soundtracks were pretty solely the realm of Koji Kondo, who was like was sort of like Nintendo's A1 lead composer. He did, you know, the early Zelda games almost in their entirety, and same with Mario. He has a handful of original pieces, but for the most part, his credits on the Super Mario RPG soundtrack 
are for borrowed tracks from the Mario games that then Shimamura arranged. There's also a handful of tracks that Nobuo Uematsu did yes. for a secret boss named Culex that was sort of patterned after like Golbez and X-Death and that kind of thing. I'm so glad you brought that up. <laughs> but other than that, it's a Shimamura soundtrack. But when you listen to it, you, there's no reason that you would think this couldn't fit with the with Mario World or Yoshi's Island because yeah actually it can and it does it fits very well and what's what's really impressive about it all is that you know after they did Paper Mario and sort of went a different direction and people thought okay that's that's what we're doing with Mario RPGs then the Mario and Luigi games come along and those are also composed by Shimamura. Yep. We did not pull any tracks from those, but she very much retains a lot of that style that she came up for with Super Mario RPG, where she could say, this is my own, but this is also like very much what a Mario soundtrack needs to be. It's distinctly, it has the Mario flavor. Yeah. It's very pantomime which speaks to the storytelling. Yeah. Uh, random aside for this, uh, has anyone else listened to the OC Remix album, Heavy Troopa is Ready to Launch? I have not. No, it's, I have it's, not. It's got some good stuff on it. I mean, the, the arrangement of this one is more like sad guitar. It's pretty on the nose, but it's nice. But just <laughs> what became one of my favorite ones was like the pirate underwater kind of theme. Or not the, yeah. Just because they got this amazing, ridiculous pirate rap that I just recommend everybody go listen to. I'll share links, but it's just... It's a fun album for anyone who likes uh, Super Mario RPG and wants to hear some really good alternative takes on a lot of the music. It's a it's a fun album. Nice. Thank you. All right. Well, then we can if everyone's happy with the Mario discussion, we can move right along to Kingdom Hearts. Now we're in my element. <laughs> <laughs> you are now entering the spoiler zone. So, King, so Nachtflugel is um, the secret boss theme from the Kingdom Hearts 3 Remind DLC. Um, so the way that's set up is um, after you beat the main story and you beat a gauntlet of other really hard bosses, you unlock like a true final boss secret ending type deal. Which, if Kingdom Hearts 3 is meant to be like the epilogue to the current story arc of Kingdom Hearts, this sets up the next arc. And I won't go I won't go into specifics because I know Pat hasn't played it yet, and um, it really is a super cool moment that I think you should experience for yourself. Um, full disclosure, I have not beaten this boss yet. You get a different ending depending on if you win or lose the fight, but I haven't been able to beat him. He's really hard. But um, basically, um, um, you meet a character from a different world line whose journey is parallel to Sora. He's also on a hero's journey, and his goals seem to directly clash with Sora's. So when they meet, um, he sort of challenges him to a battle, and he's really hard. Like, he can steal the Keyblade from you, and then you have to like just dodge like crazy until you get your weapon back. I want it to be Mickey Mouse so bad. <laughs> it's 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 not. It, it is it is a new character. He is another pretty anime boy. He is voiced by Dylan Sprouse from Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, which is just right. and and the song. I, I have a feeling again because this is supposed to set up the next main story arc of Kingdom Hearts. I have a funny feeling we're going to be hearing a lot more of this motif in future Kingdom Hearts games because it really is like a very memorable central tune. 
Like, aside from just being a very, like, a very good Shimomura-esque boss thing with the violin and the piano, I just really like that bit when the music swells and all of a sudden there's just going, do, 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 do. Like, it's just so dramatic, but I also, it does sound like a character theme, which, as any Kingdom Hearts fan knows. Yeah, that little bit sounds like a, fu like a future motif in the making. Yeah, like, I, I, I'm, I'm guessing we will hear that again. So, yeah, I listened to this song without knowing any of that. And the moment you said, oh, this is going to introduce who could be sort of like the protagonist of the next chapters of Kingdom Hearts. Wow. Yeah, it, there's definitely it's a battle theme, but there's definitely what will probably be a, a main character motif going on in there. I was also yeah, going to say it recurs a lot. There's there's something magical about what Shimomura has done with kingdom hearts that i don't think i think it's like she saves something for kingdom hearts that she won't give in terms of just soundscape to any other franchise to any other game <laughs> i really no I, I and i seriously believe this and it, it's the disney magic no I, i'm give me a break guys i mean it's disney <laughs> you know it, no things, i absolutely understand what you're saying though some things some things are just I mean, if you listen to like Destati or like mm -hmm. when Kingdom Hearts Final Mix came out and there was that deep dive trailer that was leading into the stuff with Kingdom Hearts 2, that music is like the way she uses strings there. She she doesn't do that in any of the other games that we're covering here or any of the other games. And I've heard like 90 percent of the music she's written. I'm sorry, sorry to cut you off, but like the same with um, Kingdom Hearts 2. Darkness of the Unknown is one of my favorite final boss themes. Oh, mm -hmm. boy. Yeah. And Fate of the Unknown, the secret boss, the secret cutscene music from that game. Oh, my gosh. I'm oh, gonna... it's an amazing piece. My head's going to explode. I know what you're talking about. It's so good. Even in, okay, okay, Pat, Pat, you have this to look forward to when you play Kingdom Hearts 3. There is a boss fight in 3 where they combine all three final boss themes from Kingdom Hearts 1, Kingdom Hearts 2, and Dream Drop Distance into one song. And it is insane. It's called Forza Finale on the soundtrack. Hmm. The eight-disc soundtrack. Yep, that is all on Spotify now. Yeah, and that I never thought was going to come out. And then when they released it, they're like, there's a reason for this. It's three and a bunch of other games and the DLC for three. And like, It's everything else that had come out some of the songs have new movements and stuff to give them a little more it's not just playing on a loop right it's an, honestly an incredible soundtrack yeah you know tying everything we've talked about tying everything together with this i'm i'm having a lot of thoughts about just how detailed and how grand in scope kingdom hearts is and things like that and thinking about Shimamura too and how she brings something to the music for it that she doesn't quite in any other soundtrack it it makes me think of her you know early arcade work and her wanting to be able to do more orchestral kind of work mm -hmm. for RPGs that, that was kind of one of her goals when after she got into video game music so it kind of makes me think that maybe Kingdom Hearts is a series for her that really lets her be her most creative you know she can kind of run wild with it a little bit because this this piece, I had a lot in my notes about how it it sounds like a really cool piano concerto throughout most yeah. of it. Mm -hmm. It just like spills into your ears at the beginning. Yeah. 
and the and the interaction between the piano and the rest of the instruments throughout yep. it's just very much yeah it's so good yeah and you just and yeah as it kind of builds and then the rest of the orchestra all kind of gets in there and then it sounds simultaneously dramatic but then also forlorn with everything and that's just you get this whole mysterious journey all throughout not quite knowing where things lie but it definitely i was definitely feeling boss fight from this that like everything was on the line in this battle you had love life friendship zippers all of it you could lose it <laughs> oh so many zippers don't take my zippers Key- away <laughs> keyblades you will lose them no, I'm just and, it, and it is the hardest it is the hardest fight in the game like full stop like and and keep in mind that in order to even unlock this fight you have to defeat a boss gauntlet of 13 other super bosses um which are all oh, good Lord. Like, which are all very challenging in their own right also, somebody used the in-game um, selfie system to take a picture of themselves after after Guy had stolen their Keyblade, and it's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that selfie system. I, I, every so often, I just remember that that was a thing in the game, and I just smile again. Now I kind of want some like cheesy Mario RPG-style music to just come on when you, when you go into that selfie mode. <laughs> Honestly, right? All right. Well, any any final thoughts on Nachtvogel? Oh, the rough, I was gonna say the rough translation. I don't know if I said this already. Um, but roughly, I believe the song title translates to "Wings of Night." I'm not 100 percent certain on that, but that's what I've seen floating around. Yeah, Nacht Nacht is night. Um, Flugel is. It can be wings. It can be anything that provides flight from a from a plane to. Uh, I don't know wings. Uh, so wings is a good choice. Um, you could actually also say uh, it is night flight, because flugel could be the noun for flight itself at times. Ooh. Yeah, that's what it was kind of sounding like. I'm also wondering if it might have something to do with sky, because Sora is meant to be mm-hmm. sky, like Sora, Riku, Kairi, and then Terra, Ventus, Aqua. Like they all had like their, they were tied to the specific elements. Right. That would make that would make the noun version make a lot of sense, and yeah. I I think it's a really well named track because just the way you you get some really soaring passages from the piano, but then you have that from the orchestra that really kind of provides that lift as well, that steadier lift. It really does have kind of a flight quality to it. For sure, yeah. So what you got next? All right, so we are on to our last block. Um, we've got my second pick, and then we've got one from Greg. So I chose for my second pick a medley, because why not have a medley of her music? Um, and it is also from Legend of Mana. Yeah, more Mana tracks, the better. More Mana tracks, and I know she's got so much good work, but it's one of her favorites and one of mine too, and I really like this music. And it's it's from a compilation album, actually, called Memoria. So it's not the OST version. Yes, actually, both of the songs in this block are. So that makes it a little bit different. It is the Going Through the Flame uh, Legend of Mana Dragon Killer medley. So it's a medley for a quest line, a single quest line in that game. And I'm excited to talk about it. Uh, For myself, uh, Pat woke me up to the fact that Yogeshima Mora did the soundtracks for another favorite kind of unknown game of mine, was Front Mission. And I've loved that series, but I, I mean, I... A friend of mine turned me on to this just awesome tactical mecha game back when my best friend also named Pat. And uh, we could only play it in Japanese through an emulator 
think eventually there was like an English patch, so I kind of got it, but I eventually got it on DS and got to have the full legit experience of it with the little expansion stuff. But of course, I've played Front Mission 3 and 4, love them. And when Pat was just like, yeah, she did the music for Front Mission, I was like, what? So I wanted to do a shout out of that because it's one of my favorite mecha games out there. Oh, so which means I should tell of it. I picked Elegy from Front Mission from the Memoria concert. Perfect. So we'll have a listen to some Memoria and be back soon.
so this first medley, there are some dying dragons, and I don't want to get yeah, I don't want to get too spoilery, but it it's, it's yeah, it's the one quest scene in Legend of Mana that just kind of rips your heart out, and it's nerve wracking. It's your so tragic. Silent protagonist just gets pulled into this kind of pact to go along with this basically kind of dragon killing night guy who is clashing with his sister and it, it gets real tragic. And this music, it's just I I can't think of any other music that to go along with it. It's such a big part of it. Just the way it builds as you learn more about what's actually happening in the quest line. Like it's just it's just amazing how she has reflected the development of the quest with that music. Yeah. This whole movement has such a story to it. The whole arc getting so somber with like the forlorn strings and the clarinet and then getting a bit more hopeful with, I think, and Pat will probably correct me if I'm wrong, possibly you will as well, Hillary, with the French horn. That kind of brightens it up a bit and then you just go through this whole march and everything. And and it feels like, even though this isn't the, the part where this literally happens, but it does feel like you're soaring over Fadiel throughout like the piece. Mm-hmm. And, and this is the quest line where you get a lot of the like mountain areas yes yep you so i would say like the instrumentation in this medley kind of evokes that you get the strings kind of peeking through with with a backdrop of other instruments it sounds kind of cloudy i know that's technical term there but there are some moments of that where the melody comes through on the strings is kind of kind of like maybe some wind or the sun breaking through those the fog but yeah it's the quest line you you get mountains you get a forest area and oh and there's an entire village of these these cool little bird people as well yeah the bird oh yeah they're fun stuck up as heck (laughs) what's what's really cool about it though is that somebody and i don't know if it was shimomo or someone else but somebody had the idea to go hey let's take all the songs from this epic quest line and put them into one medley because they're not like, if you look at them on the OST, they're not spaced like adjacent to each other. No, like, they're spread out. And and that's yeah. another thing about Legend of Mana. <laughs> that's kind of nice. If things get too heavy with this quest line. You can go like, somewhere else. You can do a different quest line. You don't even have to finish it. Correct. You do not uh, have to finish what, it. Once you get, <laughs> once you get so far So choose enough, your own adventure. <laughs> once you get far enough in, you're going to want to. But yeah. Yeah. I just get frustrated if I don't finish certain adventures and get things right because I want to just I want little cactus to have the complete story. Aww. And I want to see it all from their perspective. You don't want to get locked out of a quest. So use a walkthrough, kids. Yep. It was one of the first it's sorry, it's the only walkthrough I have ever printed was uh for that game after I'd already beaten it once because I just wanted to like then check out all the other quests and such and I had like this tome that has that and like how yeah. properly like breed certain monsters and stuff too or capture them it's yeah it's it's huge and a whole checklist to make sure you've gotten every quest and i should have mentioned this um but the arranger on this one is satoko miyano oh same as what we have for elegy from front mission yeah so, so the same we arranger. like <laughs> we like our arrangers nice. here yeah well yes. satoko miyano did about half of memoria Correct. i think yeah also is it just me or is it around Three and a half minutes in, does it get kind of like flamenco-y with like the action coming to a head there? Yeah, and I think it's like that in the OST as well. It is because yeah, it there's, right. there's a there's a fight in the middle of it that's kind of like out of place, and it, it is a little bit 
flamingo-y. Do you know which specific pieces throughout, uh, like, like, the order goes in, or does it, like, bounce around? I was trying to see if I could figure that out, but I, just, I couldn't. I'm, I'm a bit rusty with the whole soundtrack to roll as far as titles and stuff go. Yeah, I was I was trying to parse it out, too, and, and as close as I could get is it felt like it was mostly sequential. Like, some of the major beats okay. were sequential. But I'm not 100% sure. I can give a pretty a pretty comprehensive answer to that question oh please do <laughs> just a moment also while he's looking that up hillary how badly did any of us want to put in Dital's organ <laughs> it's like could have been sad song or Dital's organ we'll save that for the accordion episode huh <laughs> yes hey sorry i'm jumping back in on nope, this go for oh, it it's what we're waiting for yeah, Dragon Story's medley definitely confirmed to be overlapping destinies for the Granted Bonds and Crimson Dragon Emperor. There may be one or two other themes from other tracks that are sort of like layered or tucked in, but those are the main three that are used, and they're used in that order in the medley. I like it. Perfect. It's they're just so good. And it's like what's interesting, too, about what this whole track kind of belies is again the the stakes and the drama that are actually at place in this game because at first at blush this game just seems so sweet and innocent and cutesy with its whole story but presentation uh and and just how soft it kind of eases you into things but then yeah with some of the quest lines you can unlock there's some real big stakes at play that yeah sure there's a lot of like this game that was kind of a hot mess and could have been conveyed a bit better and uh and maybe that's like clunky translation and such back in the day i don't know but it's just i don't know i love it i love what it is i do love the story arcs that they do tell it's and yeah the music is indicative of the level of polish and care that was put into so much of this game Mm -hmm. i mean you can't fault a game that just gets out there with so much of its designs to even have like a furry dragon like come on yes oh (laughs) yes fluffy lovey dragon uh, and and that's kind of uh, kind of making me think of how things get tragic in that quest line too. You're gonna be okay. <laughs> it's true. We will. We'll get through Just it. Just think of the dub bears. Oh, yeah. Fun that's that's why you need game. to finish the quest line once you start it. Yeah, exactly. Actually, I'll save that anecdote for an actual episode on Legend of Mana. But just the dub bears are my heroes. Oh, I my. love them. Dub above dub. I may have to be on that episode because I. <laughs> Um, so I'm having Mike try Legend of Mana for the first time and watching him react to the dead bears was pretty much the funniest thing I've seen in a really long time. It's on retro. I'll have it on a retro card. I want it so bad. <laughs> One day. Just give me the excuse. Uh, but yeah. So. What other thoughts do you have? The the last thing that I'll, I'll say this about this one before we move on is I mentioned that it was a medley and, and that is kind of why... I picked it because I wanted to showcase all sorts of different forms that you can fit Shimamura's music into, and it still still sounds amazing, and also to highlight the fact that you can do a medley and it still kind of follows a single quest line. It's can't say enough good things about it. <laughs> yeah, I just, I could have made all my picks easily, Legend of Mana, and then I feel I was a little late to the punch and everyone else had already got their picks in and there was already some Legend of Mana in there so I thought I'd get Variety which is yeah what led me over to my pick with Elegy and Front Mission 
because yeah. like i said i was i just i like this game it's great uh and the song is just <laughs> uh in my notes i put ugh very anime such mecha <laughs> yep it's true though like the song is again what uh, there's been no we haven't shied away from the melodrama <laughs> with our selections of yoko shimomura's work in that's this true. episode and it's worth but noting this song it's worth noting though that an elegy is a pretty dramatic song form to begin it, with well so exactly right you do you, you kind of have an idea what you're getting into there may be some yep. you know very somber sad instruments like maybe a cello you know it's kind of a song of loss or mourning but I do like for the Memoria version that they went very piano heavy again to kind of yep. showcase her own virtuosity with it all. It is just, yeah, and you like this game is a very volatile game emotionally, as any good mecha anime ought to be with young teenagers piloting giant robots. And uh, like this, <laughs> the whole series in general, but especially this first game, was very much like a soap opera with robots. And, like, you get this song that sounds like you're being confronted by, like, your cousin's father who woke up from his decades-long coma and is confronting his niece's wife who was, in fact, married to him before the coma and tried to kill him thinking he was his twin. And they all have amnesia. Exactly. And so they can't remember it. (laughs) And it's just, like, this whole piece is just, yeah, it's just so rich. Um, But I I love the simplicity that the piano just brought to it in this version of it. And there's not a lot of arrangements and re- remasters of this whole any of the soundtrack so it was it was hard to find but i wanted to instead of just going with the original version which again is a good soundtrack it holds up especially like the bar sound and the shop sound i can picture buying things and the weird noise it makes and everything every single time i hear it oh my gosh I like, yes i love it but it's just uh yeah i wanted to i wanted to find something that just had a bit more elevated instrumentation to it the uh, front mission tracks on Dramatica. We have two. We have these two songs here from Memoria. There was an older arranged album, orchestral arranged album called Dramatica, that, in my opinion, is equally as good, maybe better. Um, that also has two front mission tracks on it. It has has Take the Offensive and uh, what's the other front mission track? Manifold Irons, and I think Manifold Irons is probably my favorite front mission arranged track ever so i need to go check that out i i think elegy is great but manifold irons on dramatica is just like ridiculous good oh i kind of want to pick your your brain and and ask why that one over elegy so i think that the front mission series which like the breath of fire series has had pretty much a different composer different main composer for each entry it, it has a very unique soundscape because of what the games are you know there are these you know futuristic mecha tactical rpgs and i don't think just given given that environment given that scenario i think shimamura wrote music that was very different than what she has done before and what she's done since and manifold irons is just a really good sort of militaristic march kind of piece. Mm-hmm. Very, very like powerful in the way that you might expect from composers other than her. Like it, it's very unexpected listening to something like uh, Manifold Irons, whereas Elegy, to me, that's uh, Shimamara as I would expect her. Right. A little so more. that's, uh, it surprises me how good 
her work can be even when she jumps outside of what I think her wheelhouse should be. Exactly. <laughs> it's a little, yeah. it, it turns out that's harder to define than you would realize. Because she's so nuanced. She's so experienced. Because <laughs> she's so good. <laughs> yeah, it really does show her like range as a composer for sure. Yeah. And then the fact that she sort of she sort of dipped her hand in and made sure she's had a lasting mark on almost every single major Square Enix series, with the most recent being taking a main a main entry Final Fantasy in Final Fantasy fifteen. You know, she did that. She did, you know, a a very memorable mana title. She did the first front mission title. She did the first Mario RPG title and then some of the subsequent you know she and she did street fighter 2 and then there's been many street fighters since but like they almost all of them reuse those traditional themes for the you know sort of the core eight characters so it's like she can jump in and just sort of define and like a whole intellectual property and then walk away and do something else yeah for sure i'm just grateful she took the leap because again just quick anyone can find this on wikipedia but if you don't want to bother like right out of college, I love that we almost could have lost her to just being a lifelong piano instructor or piano teacher. That's correct. And she was just like, nope, I'm just going to throw some samples out there because I love games. And here we have her. Sometimes you just got to shoot your shot. Yeah, well, exactly. And I'm sure the entire industry is extremely, extremely grateful that she did. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, the industry and, and the consumers, the fans. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. There's no question that, you know, Square Enix is happy to, you know, have that symbiotic relationship where right. I mean, she's still she's benefiting. Them. Yeah, she's yeah. Most of her work, even after she went freelance, is is with them. She's worked on like the Luminous Arc series and Arc Rise Fantasia. She's gone back to work with Capcom some, but for the for the most part, she continues to work with Square Enix, and they're smart to continue to work with her because yeah. They have the sound and then the aesthetic, the visual aesthetics that tend to go so well together. It's like, why wouldn't you? Yeah, it's it's great. It's also weird to see, again, just kind of reading through some of her stuff, that she was trying to, she was brought onto this game from Mission at the same time as she was already doing Super Mario RPG. It's like, it's a lot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, so, so let's go back and think about Sad Song along with LG. Well, exactly right. <laughs> Two very tonally different sad songs. Uh, but one thing I did remark, which again, it's not all her work, obviously. Uh, like she was not the the sole composer on Front Mission. But there's a lot of that soundtrack for anyone who is interested in going back to the game or listening to it. If you like Ogre Battle, uh, I found a lot of it sounded very much like that, which is Iwata and Sakamoto and I forget the other one. Hayato Matsuo. Matsuo, thank you. Yeah, yeah. So the uh, the stuff. sort of understudy to uh, Koichi Sugiyama. Um, real quick, since you mentioned it, yeah. So Shimamura did about probably two thirds of the Front Mission soundtrack. The rest of it was done by another female composer. And uh, is it all right if I jump in? If I say this real quick, Hill? Yeah, go for it. Um, someone who I would love to meet, love to interview before I die, but I don't know if I ever will, is Noriko Matsueda, another female composer who was coming to prominence and then after final fantasy 10 2 and some some pretty notable and public frustration and burnout she stopped composing oh darn 
to this day. She plays jazz piano in bars around Tokyo. And her her partner, cool. her musical partner, Takahito Iguchi, still does music from time to time, even for Square Enix. But she just gave it up in 2003. There's there's a short article that, that VGM Online has about her choice to retire young. But, I mean, nothing has coaxed her to come back. And people have sought out her and asked for comment and asked for you know given the chance would you try to do this or that and her answer is i don't want to be part of the industry so you know mitsuda's talked about burnout a lot shimamura's talked about burnout umatsu's talked about burnout pretty much every composer has talked about the tight deadlines and how it can turn into severe burnout and for for noriko matsueda her choice was i don't want to be part of this yeah it's feast or famine kind of mentality with the gig idea and it's just it's not for everybody like it, it can really burn you out and then the stress of like oh well i have another gig coming so you just want to take everything for fear that there will be nothing next year yeah so she um noriko matsueda you know if you look at her work which was um exclusively with square you have you know her part of the front mission first front mission i think she also did some of front mission too and then bahamut lagoon which is a japanese only oh, strategy rpg yep and then Racing Lagoon, which is a PlayStation 1 Japanese-only driving RPG and one of the best soundtracks ever, and apparently quite rare. Um, I sold my copy for like $150 or something. <laughs> um, and then she did The Bouncer, the early PS2 game from Square. Oh, oh my lord. That game is yeah. so weird. I loved it. And then she did Final Fantasy X-2's OST, and she did the Play Online menu music for Final Fantasy XI, which can be found on disc two of Final Fantasy XI OST+, Plus, which was published like a decade after it was written. But she she just quit after ten two, and I think... I think it was the burnout. She's never said this, and no one else has said it, but I will say, you know, Ten2's reception, including people being angry that Ten2 didn't musically sound anything like Ten, and there were complaints about Tentude's soundscape. I wonder if that. I always wonder if that had something to do with it, but mm. no doubt, unfortunately. You know, for Front Mission to be this work of a musical duo of two female composers in sort of the birth of what is now, you know, this flourishing industry, where especially in Japan, uh, female composers uh, are well recognized and do very well. I always wonder, like, does Shimamura ever go out to those? bars just, and watch yeah. watch Matsueda <laughs> play piano and say hi and catch up like you just gotta wonder you know that's, like that's the direction I was gonna take this to I was gonna say do we I'm really curious I want to know more about their working relationship now I didn't have the courage the the day that I met Shimamura to ask about ask about Matsueda-san and I just you know for me the Racing Lagoon soundtrack and the Front Mission soundtrack are just like and Front Mission 2, which, yeah, she did Front Mission 2 pretty much on her own. Those are just, like, some really great, great soundtracks. And she had a very different style, very jazz-heavy. And, you know, she she was sort of a good, like, counter to Shimamura, who, who does a lot of these more orchestral things. But they had, the thing they had in common is that uh, piano is their primary instrument. It's... Uh, what they grew up on and um, are can perform very well on both of them. Mm -hmm. And 
I would love for Shimamura and, and Matsueda to do another soundtrack together someday. And that, by the way, is part of why I love Front Mission so much, is because they, you know, that soundtrack is them together. Even, can we have them touring together, please? Like maybe even just playing piano a little bit. Uh, yeah, some dueling, some dueling piano time yes. would be great. And if they want to so do, good. if if they want to do original work of like jazz compositions that Matsueda has done, I'd I'd pay for it. I'd go. Yep. So uh, if any if any of our listeners have contacts in Japan, let's get Shimamura and Matsueda together for a reunion, please. <laughs> Well, and that, that dovetails really nicely with some of the things that we've said previously in our primer episode. I mean, we ended that saying there's a lot more ground to cover. There's a lot more to learn. There's a lot more history there. And you just gave us a great piece of it. So thank you for that. Oh, there's there's so many incredible female composers out there. And there's no... I don't think there's a question that Japan was more open to having female composers take lead and receive uh, credit. They were doing it more commonly before uh, America and Europe was doing that. But I think we're getting some some equity along the way here. But the Japanese female composers were and are absolutely incredible. Um, I can't imagine and don't want to imagine a world where their music didn't exist. Definitely. So bringing it home... Do we want to close out with any final thoughts about Shimamura's work on the whole? Anything we've listened to? Part two, when? Yeah, we could probably do like five parts and still be playing all of her like A level hits, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, right. yeah. we wouldn't have to. We wouldn't have to quote deep dive. No. <laughs> but um, uh, and key and and you could do hours and hours of, of her music because it's also good. To me, the big question is always what's she going to do next and i think we know that as long as there's kingdom hearts game she's going to be lead composer though starting with three there are others that are joining in i'm interested in what new original titles her name might show up on and how she influences that or maybe how she jumps in on something she's never worked on before like god forbid you know a new saga game comes out and she decides to jump in on it whereas you know it had been pretty firmly established as kenji ito's territory with a little bit of masashi hamamitsu on the side i want her to just like surprise us and in because that's what she does she's she surprises in incredible ways and i'm always excited to see like what's the next thing for her and i just feel like she doesn't seem done or worn out in any way and she's been doing this for so long it's just amazing yeah, it really oh, is. Yeah. And and like we said previously, you know, she has this amazing ability to sort of define a series. So it it's only natural that she, we should kind of be curious about what she'll do that's new. Give her a give her a guest spot on the next near game. There you go. <laughs> that that would be pretty incredible. I that also, would be controversial, but it'd be great. I also wonder if we'll see her on Project Athea, um, if whenever that is because that's um, Luminous, so this name studio that was birthed from the 15 development. I would be surprised if it wasn't her primarily, and I really hope it is her. Yeah. Since I'm pretty sure they already confirmed uh, Masayoshi Soken for 16, which I mean, yes. good choice. Right. Down for that. Hey, maybe, maybe 
Silken's been known to work with several other composers. Maybe she could sneak in a little bit there too. I was, I was, yeah, I was gonna say it's not, a, <laughs> it's not a zero sum game for sure. But yeah, she went more. I mean, we, we said pretty much everything there is to say at this point. She, we could go on for five more episodes, ten more episodes, and we could still. So I mean, I, um, we, we could still keep talking about all the great music she went more has composed. But I, I think this episode gives us a nice little sampler of some of her of some of her I, I don't want to say lesser known hits but definitely kind of shedding the spotlight on a on her career and i think that's that's great yeah i think it kind of establishes her her range and the different forms she can do and it's a good you know, primer it, we also kind of spotlight one of the projects she's proudest of so that's good too all right so for a little bit of housekeeping, I'm going to mention briefly what's coming next for Rhythm because it's pretty exciting. We've got an episode upcoming on opening and ending themes. And then after that, it's going to be briefly February. So we're going to have a series spotlight. And then after that, it's going to be something a little different. We're going to be doing some adventure game classics. So kind of point and click soundtrack. Um, so look forward to all of those. Hillary, can we announce the unscheduled surprise thing that will be coming in the nearish future? Whatever could you mean, Pat? Oh, my. So <laughs> speaking of women in music, uh, women in game music, we will be having a special episode of Rhythm Encounter where we will be interviewing Janique Nicole, one of the key vocalists behind Near Automata. She did Way to the World, the, the ending theme in English, and wrote the lyrics for that song. People probably remember her very well for her duet with Emmy Evans on Beautiful Song, the Simone Boss theme. We're going to be talking with her about Nier Automata and work she's done on other games and original work that she has done. She's um, an incredible vocalist and has a lot of great stuff to share. So we're excited to share that with you guys. Yep. Um, I'm losing my mind about it. I'm super excited. And it will... Yeah, we're going to work that in among the next few episodes, too. We're just working out logistics, so that will be somewhere in the sequence as well. Thank you. So if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email us at music at rpgfan.com. Um, I'd also like to remind everyone that the episode track list is going to be on rpgfan.com, um, so you can follow along. And now uh, we'll give our contact info. We know there's no way we could get... To everybody's favorite Shimamura track and we know there's there's so much to choose from so if you'd like to talk to us about your favorite track Shimamura please do I'm most easily reached on our discord I'm EP Fire and Peter how can folks reach you uh, you can reach me at I have fury on Twitter where I am way too often you can also find email me Peter T at rpgfan.com great how about you Greg at Greg Delmage, pretty much anywhere on the interwebs you can find me. Just Google Greg Delmage and you'll figure me out. Great. He's <laughs> famous. <laughs> Ish. He's he's internet famous. Patrick Gann, how do you find this guy? Probably the best way to get in touch with me is Twitter. It's kind of hard to spell my name. I'm a pterodactyl who likes video games, so it's Gameodactyl. G-A-M-E-O-Dactyl. And yeah hit me up talk to me about how i'm wrong about things i love arguing so i love that the half of your name you spelled out you spelled the what the easy side <laughs> like i'll spell the word game for everybody you figure out dactyl 
Oh, come on. Dactyl is a common enough su suffix. It's the second half. Oh, of course. Of, it's the second That's half funny. of pterodactyl. They can Google that. <laughs> no, I know. It's just a really funny thing to clarify. <laughs> well, like some it. people will think it's G-A-M-O, and it's like, no, the E's still there. And that would like, be gamodactyl. Like... Come on. Well, no. They You're not a radioactive got... pterodactyl. Is that gameo, like cameodactyl? Like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> and this is especially important because Greg is here, but... And if you like what you heard on Rhythm, we have several other great podcasts, including Random Encounter, which Greg is a host of. That's me. Yay! Which I think you're gearing up to do exciting best Good games the end of, of year stuff. Yeah. Since our uh, big features are going to be coming out for that soon, we're going to talk about that. Great. We also have Retro Encounter, which is usually game journals, um, but some other fun off-topic episodes as well. And then yeah, if you want to pitch uh, Legend of Mana, let's do that now. <laughs> I know, so exciting. And then we also partner with um, Phoenix Edge, where they discuss their current topics in RPGs as well. And speaking of surprises, we have a very interesting bonus track for everyone <laughs> today, which is actually two songs. We decided because there's this kind of interesting tradition of other artists sampling game music. We found out that one of our favorite songs, at least Greg and I, from Legend of Mana, uh, Moonlight City Roa, has been sampled by a very famous uh, artist over here in the States. So we were going to play them back to back. And Greg, do you want to tell us who that famous artist is and what that other song is? <laughs> uh, Janet Jackson. I mean, that's it's just wild. <laughs> and that's uh, China, uh, dip, dip, China Love. China yes. Love, nope. it, which was yeah. released about a year after the Legend of Mana soundtrack, so don't get it twisted. Shimomura <laughs> wrote, and then Jackson, Jackson and producers sampled. Yes. <laughs> I don't know why I'm cold calling you, Greg. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I appreciate it. It was, uh, uh, yeah, it was just a really fun discovery when I was trying to find stuff to put on here, and then when I just was like, "Hey, this is a thing," and then Hillary's like, "Well, my mind's made up now." So. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's something a little different, and it's a cool little tradition. It's a good song, actually. It's proof yeah. that Sh Shimamura, and specifically the Legend of Mana soundtrack, is so good that some college intern under a producer said, you know, we should use this song. It's true. <laughs> and they were right. That college yeah. intern, whoever you are out there, blessings to you. I mean, it could have been Guile's theme. Could have well, <laughs> That would have, people would have caught on to that pretty darn quick. The Roa thing is a, is a pretty well kept secret. Only only people who care to look at it, look for it, find it. But and, and, but it's really funny because if you're a Legend of Mana fan, you hear it right away. It's instant. Yeah. You know right away. It's, yeah, it's not hard to figure out. So, so enjoy, I guess. Listen, listen for that sample, and we will see you next time on Rhythm Encounter. Thanks so much for joining us. Bye.
I'll go really bad New Yorker. There we go. With another character. All right. Done. I want some coffee. Well, you, Greg, you should have done that for Parasite Eve. <laughs> Just done every, It's like we're in the city and you're like, get the fuck out of here. What's over there? I don't know. It's dangerous. It's a bunch stuff, of mitochondria. But... <laughs> a bunch of mitochondria. <laughs> 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 mitochondria tearing off my clothes. What is this? Just picture Christopher Walken getting stripped down by mitochondria as he's trying to. Oh, no. oh boy. Yeah, I want the clothing destruction mechanic on Christopher Walken now. <laughs> I'm gonna mess up your mitochondria face with my Glock. <laughs> right, this this has, podcast has way more Christopher Walken than I was expecting. <laughs> <laughs>